Good afternoon, good afternoon and welcome, welcome to chapter 8 of Five Go to Smuggler's Top. Wow. So we're on chapter 8 and chapter 8 is called An Exciting Walk. Here goes. The tunnel ran slightly downwards and smelt nasty in places. Sometimes it opened out into pits like the one they themselves had come from. Sooty flashed his torch up them. That one goes into Barling's house somewhere, he said. Most of the old houses hereabouts have openings into pits like ours. Jolly well hidden some of them are too. There's daylight or something in front, said Anne suddenly. Oh, Good, I hate this tunnel. Sure enough, it was daylight, creeping in through a kind of cave entrance in the hillside. The children crowded there and looked out. They were outside the hill and outside the town, somewhere on the steep cliffside that ran down to the marsh. Sooty climbed out onto a ledge. He put his torch into his pocket. We've got to get to that path down there, he said, pointing. That will lead us to a place where the city wall is fairly low and we can climb over it. Is Timmy sure-footed? We don't want him tim tumbling down into the marsh there. The marsh lay a good way down below, looking ugly and flat. George sincerely hoped Timmy would never fall into it. Still, he was very sure-footed and she didn't think he would slip. The path was steep and rocky, but quite passable. They all went down it, clambering over rocks now and again. The path led them to the city wall, which, as Sooty had said, was fairly low just there. He climbed up to the top. He was like a cat for climbing. No wonder he's got such a name for climbing about everywhere at school, said Dick to Julian. He's had good practice here. Do you remember how he climbed up the roof of the school the term before last? Everyone was scared he'd slip and fall, but he didn't. He tied the Union Jack to one of the chimney pots. Come on, called Sooty, the coast is clear. This is a lonely bit of the town and no one will see us climbing up. Soon they were all over the wall, Timmy too. They set off for a good walk, swinging down the hill, enjoying themselves. The mist began to clear after a while, and the sun felt nice and warm. The town was very old. Some of the houses seemed almost tumbled down, but there were people living in them, for smoke came from the chimneys. The shops were quaint, with their long, narrow windows and overhanging eaves. The children stopped to look into them. "'Look out! Here's Block!' said Sooty suddenly in a low voice. Don't take any notice of Timmy at all. If he comes round licking us or jumping up, pretend to try and drive him off as if he were astray. They all pretended not to see Block, but gazed earnestly into the window of a shop. Timmy, feeling rather out of it, ran up to George and poured at her, trying to take notice of her, of him. Go away, dog, said Sooty, and flapped at the surprise Timmy. Go away! following us about like this. Go home, can't you? Timmy thought this was some sort of a game. He barked happily and ran around Sooty and George, giving them an occasional lick. Home, dog, home, yelled Sooty, flapping hard again. 
Then Block came up to them, no expression on his face at all. The dog bothers you, he said. I will throw a stone at him and make him go. Don't you dare, said George immediately. You go home yourself. I don't mind the dog following us. He's quite a nice one. Block's deaf, silly, said Sooty. It's no good talking to him. To George's horror, Block picked up a big stone, meaning to throw it at Timmy. George flew at him, punched him hard on the arm and made him drop the stone. How dare you throw stones at a dog, yelled the little girl in a fury. I'll, I'll tell the police. Now, now, said a voice nearby. What's all this about? Pierre, what's the trouble? The children turned and saw a tall man standing near them, wearing his hair rather long. He had long, narrow eyes, a long nose and a long chin. He's long everywhere, thought Anne, looking at his long, thin legs and long, narrow feet. Oh, Mr Barling, I didn't see you, said Sooty politely. Uh, nothing's the matter, thanks. It's only that this dog is following us, and Block said he'd make it go away by chucking a stone at it, and George here is fond of dogs, and got angry about that. I see. And who are all these children, said Mr Barling, looking at each one of them out of his long, narrow eyes. Oh, they've come to stay with us because their uncle's house has been damaged in a gale, uh, exclaimed, explained Sooty. George's father's house, I mean, at Kiran. Ah, at Kiran, said Mr Barling and seemed to prick up his long ears. Surely that is where that very clever scientist friend of Mr Lenoir's lives. Yes, he's my father, said George. Why, do you know him? I've heard of him and of his very ex interesting experiments, said Mr Barling. Mr. Lenoir knows him well, I believe. Well, not awfully well, said George, puzzled. They just write to one another, I think. My father telephoned to Mr. Lenoir to ask him if he could have us stay while our own house is being mended. And Mr. Lenoir, of course, was only too delighted to have the whole company of you, said Mr. Barling. Such a good, generous fellow, your father, Pierre. The children stared at Mr Barling, thinking that it was strange of him to say nice things in such a nasty voice. They felt uncomfortable. It was plain that Mr Barling did not like Mr Lenoir at all. Well, neither did they, but they didn't like Mr Barling any better. Timmy saw another dog and darted happily after him. Block had now disappeared, going up the steep high street with his basket. The children said goodbye to Mr Barling, not really wanting to talk to him any more. They went after Timmy, talking eagerly, as soon as they had left Mr Barling behind. Goodness, that was a narrow escape from Block, said Julian. Old beast going to throw that enormous stone at Tim. No wonder you flew at him, George. But you very nearly gave the game away, though. I don't care, said George. I wasn't going to have Timmy's leg broken. It was a bit of bad luck meeting Block our very first morning out. Oh, we'll probably never meet him again when we take Timmy out, said Sooty comfortingly. And if we do, we'll simply say the dog always joins us when it meets us, which is perfectly true. 
They enjoyed their walk. They went into a quaint old coffee shop and had steaming cups of delicious creamy coffee and jammy buns. Timmy had two of the buns and gobbled them greedily. George went off to buy some meat for him at the butcher's, choosing a shop that Sooty said Mrs Lenoir did not go to. She did not want any butcher telling Mrs Lenoir that the children had been buying dog meat. They went back the same way as they had come. They made their way up the steep cliff path and in at the tunnel entrance, back through the winding tunnel to the pit, and there was the rope ladder waiting for them. Julian and Dick went up first, while George packed the surprise Timmy into the basket again and tied the rope firmly round it. Then up went the whining Timmy, bumping against the sides of the hole, until the two panting boys pulled the basket into Mary Bell's room and undid it. It was ten minutes before the dinner hour. Just time to shut the trapdoor, pull back the carpet and wash our hands, said Sooty. And I'll put old Timmy back into the secret passage behind the cupboard in my room, George. Where is that meat you bought? I'll put that in the passage too. He can eat it when he likes. Did you put him a nice warm rug there and a dish of fresh water? Asked George anxiously for the third or fourth time. You know I did. I keep telling you, said Sooty. Look, we won't put back all the furniture except the chairs. We can say we want it left back because we like them on the carpet. It'll be an awful bore if we have to move chests and things every time we exercise Tim. They were just in time for their dinner. Block was there to serve it and so was Sarah. The children sat down hungrily in spite of having coffee and buns. Block and Sarah ladled out hot soup onto their plates. I hope you got rid of the unpleasant dog, said Block in his monotonous voice. He gave George a rather nasty look. Evidently, he had not forgotten how she had flown at him. Sooty nodded. It was no good speaking an answer, for Block would not hear. Sarah bustled round, taking away the soup plates and preparing to give them their second course. The food was very good at Smuggler's Top. There was plenty of it and the hungry visitors and Sooty ate everything put before them. Mary Bell hadn't much appetite, but she was the only one. George tried to secrete titbits and bones wherever she could for Timmy. Two or three days went by and the children fell into their new life quite happily. Timmy was taken out each morning for a long walk. The children soon got used to slipping down the rope ladder and making their way with Timmy to the cliffside. In the afternoons they went to either Sooty's room or Mary Bell's and played games or read. They could have Timmy there because the buzzer always warned them if anyone was coming. At night it was always an excitement to get Timmy to George's room without being seen. This was usually done when Mr and Mrs Lenoir were sitting at their dinner and Block and Sarah were serving them. The children had a light supper first and Mr and Mrs Lenoir had their dinner an hour later. It was quite the best time to snuggle Timmy along to George's room. Timmy seemed to enjoy the smuggling. He ran silently beside George and Sooty, stopping at every corner, and scampered gladly into George's room as soon as he got there. He lay quietly under the bed till George was in bed herself, and then he came out to lie on her feet. George always locked their door at night. She didn't want Sarah or Mrs Lenoir coming in and finding Timmy there. 
but nobody came and as night after night went by george grew more easy about him taking him back to sooty's room in the morning was a bit of a nuisance because it had to be done early before anyone was up but george could always wake herself at any time she chose and each morning about half past six the little girl slipped through the house with timmy she went in at sooty's door and he jumped out of bed to deal with timmy he was always awakened by the buzzer that sounded when George opened the door at the end of the passage. "'I hope you're all enjoying yourselves,' Mr Lenoir said to the children, whenever they met him in the hall or on the stairs, and they always replied politely, "'Oh, yes, Mr Lenoir, thank you.' "'It's quite a peaceful holiday after all,' said Julian. "'Nothing happens at all.' But then things did begin to happen. And once they had begun, they never stopped. Mm. Well, I wonder, 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 wonder what happens in the next chapter. What do you think? <sighs> well, hopefully, very, very hopefully, uh, we will read... Um, chapter nine tomorrow so until then make sure that you take care and stay safe and join me again tomorrow for chapter nine bye for now